If you're gonna go stick your head in the sand like that, get out of the sport. Mike Coppinger. Creating a huge mess. It's absurd. No, you're wrong. So, this, the only, seems the like only a cash grab. You need to turn up and you need to be on it. We just started going at it. You gotta go eat. The Pug and Cop Boxing Show on The Athletic. We are back with another episode of the Pug and Cop Boxing Show. Lance, we're gonna be joined by Steven Espinoza, the president of Showtime Sports, to get his thoughts on the Showtime Summer Slate starting this Saturday. With Luis Neri against Brandon Figueroa, 122-pound title clash. And that's going to kick off, Lance, a Showtime summer slate that's going to continue on May 29th with another intriguing smaller weight fight. Nordin Ubali defending was 118-pound title against Nonito Donaire. Both of those fights are going to be at our favorite, the War Grounds in L.A. in Carson, California. Then on June 19th, Jamal Charlo defending his middleweight title against Juan Montiel. We have a week later, June 26th, Javante Tank Davis against Mario Barrios on Showtime pay-per-view with Erickson Lubin against Jason Rosario in the 154-pound chief support. July 3rd, Chris Colbert against Yubi Orcas Gamboa. July 17th, undisputed 154-pound title fight, Jamel Charlo, Brian Castaño. Then August 14th, we have my favorite, Guillermo Rigondeaux against John Real Casimero for a 118-pound title. I love that fight, obviously. August 28th, David Benavidez against Jose Uskatagi. And then September 11th, Stephen Fulton Jr. against the winner of Neri Figueroa coming full circle. But first, Lance, we're going to start off with Neri Figueroa, the fight we have before us on Saturday. Uh, I Like I said, I love this fight. I hope we see Neri back to his seek and destroy ways. I thought he was a little too cute in his last fight against Aaron Alameda. Um maybe a little too defensive. He was working with Eddie Reynoso no longer. And I know you had, you have a story coming that ran this week on uh Neri, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, like re reuniting with his original trainer, uh, going back home to Tijuana being in that, you know, let's be honest in a, in a more gritty environment, I think suits Neri. That's the kind of a fighter he is. He's the guy who grew up watching Eric Morales from Tijuana, who grew up watching Antonio Margarito from Tijuana. And he saw those guys. He said, like, I watch these guys with their faces completely bloodied, yet still looking to, he even, he described it as wanting to continue to stab their own, his, their own bloody opponents. Uh, that viciousness is who Luis Neri is. He wants to impose that on Figueroa on Saturday. And, you know, look, he does that, and then he as he heads to this unification against Stephen Fulton, this is a guy who wants to be great. He's already a two-division champion. He wants to be legendary. And, you know, when you're talking about a, a power-hitting southpaw, Mike, not only does that work in baseball, it works in boxing as well. And that's what Neri brings to the table. I'm just hoping, you know, you, when you speak about the war grounds, Mike, I'm just hoping that they've uh, hired a little bit more security than they had in attendance <laughs> for the Ruiz Areola fight because, son of a bitch, that was out of control. That was, uh, that was out of control. I mean, some of those guys... Man, there was the shirtless guy. He had nonstop cardio. This guy must have thrown like 80 punches inside like two minutes. I mean, I, I, I wonder how many broken hands there were, how many, at the very least, broken bones in, in your hands. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure they're going to be out for Neri Figueroa too, Lance. I'm going to go with Luis Neri in this one. I, I think yeah. it's a, I think it's a toss up fight. I, I've seen a lot of the boxing sharps I follow on Twitter say that they're going with Figueroa and the money and the uh, value. 
Vigoroa, a volume puncher, he can out-hustle you. But in my opinion, Neri has more craft. I know he's coming off a down performance against Alameda, but I think he's going to get it done. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Brandon Figueroa at the end of the day, I mean, look, we saw, speaking of that that May 1st card, we saw his older brother, uh, Omar Figueroa, look very flat and very odd in that performance. And I think that Brandon... <laughs> odd is the right word. <laughs> Brandon is the... Brandon, I mean, I mean, honestly, I do think he's the better uh, boxer uh, among the brothers, to be honest. But I just think that he's up against too much here with Neri. I'm expecting Neri to to be able to... He wants this knockout so bad. I think he's going to get it in the later rounds, Mike. I would say round 10 as we look at the uh, BetMGM odds. What are the BetMGM odds that you have? Uh, Luis Neri is a minus 350 favorite, Mike, and Figueroa is a plus 275 underdog. Wow, I thought it would have been closer than that. So maybe they're right. Maybe I think you got to take the value in a fight this close. I know that's it's a pretty good undercard, too, on Saturday. Danny Roman, who is a 122-pound punching yeah. machine, staying in that division, he's going to fight Ricardo Espinosa Franco in a 10-round fight. That's the chief support. And then on the uh, in the opener, Xavier Martinez against Juan Carlos Burgos, 130-pound fight. Should be good action in all those fights, Lance. Um, it's kicking off a much better slate for Showtime than they had last year. And look, there's a couple of weak fights in there. Uh, two of the biggest names, Charlo and Benavidez. They were talking about fighting each other. I wish they were. Instead, they're both fighting no-hopers. Charlo against Juan Montiel and David Benavidez against Jose Uskotsky. Yeah, I, I think, Mike, when I look at this Showtime schedule and just how strong it is and you know everything that we've uh, worked to report on, the, the what appears to be the fraying of the relationship between Fox and PBC, you can see PBC really... Uh, investing back into Showtime and maybe headed, you know, to a to a relationship with uh, you know, Showtime and CBS. And it look, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, as we see all of this all of these fights and the the quality of these fights that include um Gervonta Davis and Mario Barrios and the uh, Jermel Charlo and Castaño. Look, this is a this is a marriage that was strong in the first place. So for you know Al Heyman to have tried uh, to make it work with Fox, it, it it hasn't worked well. To go back with uh, such a strong suitor and such a, um, a huge supporter of the sport, I think is the wise move for PBC. Uh, they will handle the PBC fights in the best way possible, and they know what they're doing. And they and these are guys who are boxing lifers who are connected to the uh, the Showtime broadcast team. And just having that institutional knowledge, I think, helps the sport so much. Definitely, yeah. I mean, that Steven Espinosa knows his boxing. And the network, everyone, all the guys there are boxing veterans. You're right. So it does make a difference, Lance. And I hope they can continue to deliver these better fights. Um, but now, Lance, let's, let's join the man who is going to be televising all these fights, all these PBC bouts, Steven Espinosa, the president of Showtime Sports. Steven, appreciate you joining us. Um, I know you just rolled out a big schedule for the summer, but we have something that wasn't even announced. Jump in at the last minute. Floyd Mayweather versus Logan Paul. Um, I'm not sure it's a fight, but it's definitely a big event. And it seems to really pop off last week with the whole uh, gotcha hat stuff. I'm even saying it now. <laughs> what are your expectations for this event? Because this is something like you've probably really never done before, right? Um, it, it, it isn't. I mean, I, I, you can make some, draw some parallels to... Um, to Floyd and, and Conor McGregor. Um, and there are some, but you know, Conor was a, a professional, you know, uh, combat sports fighter. Um, he, he was a, 
was a boxer. Um, but it's it sort of in, in that vein. Um, look, I, whatever my expectations were um, before, they're a lot higher now. And, and not so much because of the chaos um, or mini chaos there at Hard Rock Stadium. It, it's really the response I've, I've been getting, we've been getting, um, you know, either from celebrities who never asked for tickets four weeks out, um, from people who have never shown any interest in a Floyd Mayweather fight before, or boxing for that matter. Um, this is, I mean, it really shows the benefit of having a, a pop culture celebrity in the event. It, it's just an entirely different crowd. Right. And, you know, it's crazy because I, I don't know how great it is for boxing as a whole, but it's definitely great for the event. I've seen too many people to count saying ridiculous stuff on Twitter. Like, wow, Logan Paul, he's a big guy. What if he lands a big shot? And I'm like, Oh, here we go. I <laughs> guess this is taking off now. Um, I have a lot of people hitting me up that don't watch boxing or care about boxing, asking me who's going to win yeah, same and thing. Yep. the normal stuff you see with these big events. So yeah, this could be a monster. I, I, I can't, it, it didn't seem to have much steam when you weren't connected to it before. I don't know if it's coincidence or not, but it's taking off now. Um, well, the, you know, uh, it, it, it's gathering momentum, but even, even we underestimated it. Um, it's, it's captured the fascination. Um, you know, whatever it is, the combination of the two big personalities or, or social media or, you know, the Pauls, uh, you know, understanding how to market themselves um, as well as Floyd understands it. You know, Floyd's always been the GOAT in terms of boxing and among the GOAT in terms of, of, of you know, sports almost overall in terms of self-promotion and understanding how to market yourselves. Uh, the Pauls have both of them, both Jake and Logan have that same ability. They just know how to generate headlines. Let's step aside right now for a break. Steven, I mean, I've covered Floyd a long time, and I know you know him probably better than uh, most people in the world. What do you think he's thinking? I mean, is he looking at this as a showman, or do you think that he's viewing this as a, a defense of boxing against these imposter Paul brothers? Um, I, I asked him that question. You know, as we're we're starting to film and do you know um, behind the scenes stuff and, and all access type stuff, um, and you know he had a he had, he had a very well thought out take on it, and he said, "Look, um, first I'm retired. Like th this is you know people if they want to get offended, look I'm not you know I, I'm not holding a belt hostage. I'm not doing anything. I'm not putting off fights. I'm I'm retired. I'm coming back." you know, for, to entertain people, to mm. create a spectacle. And that's what I've done my whole career. Um, and he's right about that. Um, you know, the fights themselves were, um, often one-sided, but somehow Floyd created spectacles and entertained people. So he says, look, you don't like it fine, but you know, I'm coming back, have some fun, entertain some people. Um, you know, there's plenty of people interested. If it's not your cup of tea, then, you know, so be it. But there seems to be Plenty of people are willing to drink that tea. Yeah, and he said something very interesting to me. He called me right after the scuffle with Jake Paul, and he said, look, I'm not going to get back in the ring again for a real fight, but I'll do these exhibitions. And to me, that sets up perfectly for a showdown between him and Jake Paul. Can you see that coming after this one? I, you know, if, if you had asked me that, I said I would have said no, but um, and you guys have spent um, plenty of time around him as well. I've never seen him as angry and upset as he was after the 
the gotcha hat. You know, that, that was genuine. I know everyone likes the, the conspiracy theories. Um, you know, nobody on, on the Floyd side knew anything about it. And all you need to do is look at his reaction, which there is genuine anger there. Yeah, Stephen, um, as much as I hate to agree with you, um, maybe I'm a mark. Maybe I'm a mark here, but I think it was genuine, too. I've had so many people telling me, oh, no, this is WWE. He's playing. But I don't think Floyd's that good of an actor. Um, no offense to Floyd. I thought he was pretty mad. And, you know, I think we've seen this since, I don't know, since grade school, right? It's a disrespectful thing when you take somebody's hat. It was a brilliant yeah. move marketing-wise, whatever he was trying to get out of it. And obviously this is going to be a big event. But um, look, moving on, you have a real fight coming up this week, and it's kicking off your slate going through the summer. I I've been critical in the past. You know, obviously, look, you were killing it for a long time, 15, 16, 17. You had a bit of a, a dry spell there. I think you would even admit that. But I do think this is a much better schedule in terms of the matchmaking and some star potential too. And I'm just going to run through it really quick. You kick off with Luis Neri versus Brandon Figueroa this Saturday at the Wargrounds in L.A., Obviously, that's a fantastic fight. 122-pound title. You have a volume puncher in Brandon Figueroa, uh, one of the best talents in the sport in Luis Neri. And it's one of those fights where you, no one really knows who's going to win. Um, why do you like this fight so much? Well, I, I'm, I'm a big Luis Neri fan. Um, and even I, and I think even him, uh, he has to admit that the, the last performance wasn't, um, wasn't quite the Neri that everyone has grown to uh, to admire and enjoy, um, you know, so the, the real question here is, you know, was, was that just an aberration? Was it an off night, which happens to everybody? Um, or was that, is it something else? And what you have here in Brandon Figueroa, you have somebody who is going to expose, um, weaknesses, you know, when you're under that kind of pressure, uh, from that kind of conditioning, um, you know, it, it will, uh, it, it will expose any of your flaws whether it's in defense, whether it's in desire, whether it's in conditioning. So Brandon's not, um, not a guy that you want to come in at less than your best at. So like you, I'd say this one really is a toss-up. Yeah, I mean, Luis Neri is a great talent. Yeah, I, I thought he got a little too cute in his last fight with Eddie Reynoso against Aaron Alameda. I, I've seen him spar a bunch of times. He's crazy. He doesn't even use headgear. <laughs> so you love that kind of mentality in the ring. Lance, what are your thoughts on this fight? Because what I love is that you also said, Stephen, that the winner is going to face Stephen Fulton. And that's the kind of storytelling we, we want to see. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. I mean, and Stephen, I mean, we've got a story coming on The Athletic that you guys can check out on Luis Neri. And, and look, I mean, this guy is a savage. He actually, I mean, we just did a story last week on the success of the Eddie Reynoso gym in San Diego. Um, Luis Neri uh, looked at that situation and said, you know what? I appreciate the attention to defense, but I don't want to do this. I want the attention on offense. I'm going back to Tijuana for my original trainer, and I'm gonna, you know, be the killer that I that I am as a as a fighter, like you mentioned, Stephen. I mean, this guy comes from the southpaw stance, and he he truly embraces not only you know the history of the war grounds and the, remember this was started by uh, a Showtime fight with Israel Vasquez and Ra Rafael Marquez. He's embracing how how great a year this has been for Mexican fighters, and he wants to keep that momentum going. I think it's a very uh, interesting showdown, but I think more than that, it's a it's a potential breakout performance for Luis Neri as he heads to uh, a fight that you guys already have on the schedule, September 11th against Stephen Fulton, which I think is going to be a tremendous uh, fight as well. Um, 
Go ahead, Mike. I, I wanted to ask you. I mean, I went well, through this. Well, yeah, well, let's, let's, keep, let's keep running through the schedule for now. Yeah, I want to get through that's all these what fights. I wanted to ask you to kind of rank it. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's just run through every fight if that's cool. Sure. And uh, I want to give the fights all what they deserve. And look, I want to say that shout out to Showtime. I think it's great that you already have a date for that fight, as Lance mentioned, on September 11th. I think that gets people more excited for this Neri Figueroa fight. It's a great fight on its own merit. But knowing that they're going to fight Stephen Fulton, who just looked excellent against Angelo Leo, that just really raises the stakes and the storytelling. Um, a couple of weeks later, Stephen, May 29th, you have Nordinu Bali defending his 118-pound title against Nonito Donaire. That was a fight that was originally supposed to take place in December. And I said it last year, and I'll say it now. That was my favorite fight on the schedule. Um, yeah. There's just no way that's a, like, that's a that fight doesn't deliver action-wise, same as Neri Figueroa. What yeah. stood out to you about that one? Well, same thing. I mean, all of us were disappointed when, when that didn't happen. Um, and, you know, not just the matchup itself, but, it, it, you know, it's hard. It's hard not to, no matter, you know, where you come from as a fan, it's hard not to, not to root for Nonito Donaire. Um, just, mm-hmm. you know, really one of the nicest guys in the world. Um, obviously very skilled in the ring. And, and just experiencing sort of a, a rejuvenation that makes you want to root for him. You know, when people had started to write him off, here he is back at the top again. Yeah, he's, he's a great personality. He's a lot better at 118 pounds. And he proved that against one of the best two fighters in the world, in my opinion, in Naoya Inoue, the monster. That was a, you know, he broke Inoue's orbital. Um, it was a great fight. Um, I actually kind of favor Ubali. He's so tough in there. He's strong. But... Yeah, again, and again, going back to the storytelling, you have uh, Guillermo Rigondeau, everyone knows one of my favorite fighters, <laughs> um, against Johnny El Casimero on August 14th. I assume that the winners of those two fights is a natural. Yeah, yeah, it, definitely. You know, we, you know, we had worked on, you know, lining those up, but there's, um, you know, th- there was just one that didn't come together quick enough to be able to do that. But that is the natural one, um, you know, and that's, uh, you know, that's a fight. You know, when was that? Was that, you know, it's got to be seven years ago, eight years ago. When did uh, yeah. the two of them match up there? You That's know, right. Um, yeah, that, that was a great fight the first time. Um, you know, Donaire was coming off his fighter of the year campaign. I think it was the fight was in 2013, I want to say, off the off top of my head. Sounds, about, sounds yeah. about right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, everyone was, you know, sleeping on Rigando. Lance over here, not a Rigando fan. Um, he, <laughs> it was a master class other than getting dropped. And yeah, I mean, man, a rematch, you know, all these years later would be massive. But, you know, Casimero, Casimero Rigondeaux, Rigondeaux used to be a guy who can box in movies. Older now, legs are slower. We see yep. with Arizona Lara, another Cuban. And I think that's going to be a firefight. Yeah, that, that, it's not a foregone conclusion that, that Rigo makes it past Casimero. Not, not, not the way Casimero's been bulldozing people. But, hey, look, I'm going to go with Rigo. Lance, who do you like in that one? Casimero. I smell another bet. <laughs> he's fun. Yeah, Casimero is fun. I mean, you talk about a showman who comes in to put on a show. He's a lot of fun. Yeah. Plus, you have the uh, plus you get the Sean Gibbons experience too. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and, yeah. and on the 29th, I mean, there are two other ones which are easy to overlook. Um, you know, there may not be a lot of fans who are um, who are familiar with Subriel Matias, but he's a monster. He's a you talk about search and destroy. I'm very much looking uh, forward to that one. You know, Jukenbaev, a very skilled fighter, but Matias is um, just look really strong. You know, and um, and Gary Antoine Russell, um, you know, who is you know uh, really impressive first time around. We've had him, 
Um, and I'm curious to see, you know, more of him. Yeah, I mean, Gary Antoine Russell, he really gets slept on because his father strangely named them all Gary Russell, so people can't differentiate. But that guy, everyone you talk to, you say he's one of the best prospects in boxing. And yes, Matias, that guy's a monster. I'm so high on him. Obviously, he had the unfortunate tragedy uh, with Maxim Dadashev. This guy throws over a 1,000 punches in a fight and with power and leverage. I can't believe he lost to Petrov, but I think that was just an anomaly. Maybe he wasn't ready for the fight. Yeah. Um, Lance, what do you, Lance, what do you think? What's the, what sticks out to you on the schedule? I mean, look, I mean, as, as much as people have kind of crapped on, uh, Jamal Charlo coming back for that June 19th fight. And I know, look, you know, I know you, you don't exactly pick every fight or make every match, Steven. So let's not give you any heat on that one. But the, you know, the following week, Gervonta Davis against Mario Barrios on a, a June 26th pay-per-view, that's a very intriguing fight because Mario Barrios is someone who's definitely performing like near the the peak of his career, and now you've got Gervonta Davis moving up in weight for that that bout. That is going to be a, a difficult test, and you know there's some distractions going on in Gervonta Davis's life, as we all know. So how is he going to d- confront those and still deal with uh, Mario Barrios? I mean, that's that, that's going to be a very intriguing fight on your card, Stephen. Yeah, and. Um- you know, when when we were able to also um, follow that up on on the pay per view card with Erickson Lubin, Jason Rosario, um, you know that's a, a really strong co feature as well. Um, you know, both those guys, you know they've they've had their ups and downs, but you know the winner of that stays in play at the top of the division, and, and the loser takes a big step back. Yeah, the that's be- one of those that's one of those fights, Stephen. Javante Davis, Mario Barrios, when I originally heard it, you know, knew it was going to be pay-per-view and I reported that. I was like, you know, I don't love this as, as a pay-per-view. And then when I heard Erickson Lubin, Jason Rosario, someone reported that it was going to be a main event. I was like, you know, I don't love that as a main event, but I like the fight. But having them together on a pay-per-view, I think that makes it pretty palatable. They're both really good fights. Look, obviously, Javante Davis is a much better talent than Mario Barrios. But Barrios is a capable guy and you can't overlook that size difference. This guy's like, what, 5'11"? He's a long yeah. guy. Javante Davis is a small 135, going up to 140 yeah. now. And, 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 you know, as you guys know, after that last, the, that last fight in October, you know, all the talk was Mario was going to be moving to 147. Um, so he's not a small 140-pounder either. He's, he's ready to be uh, at 147. So you can't say enough for the kind of challenge that Javante is taking on there. The best fight on the uh, on your whole schedule is obviously July seventeenth, in my opinion, um, the one hundred and fifty four pound full unification between Jermel Charlo and Brian Castaño. Um, that fight, obviously, Jermel is begging for the opportunity to be become like you know he's on this level. He needs to go to that next stage, and maybe this fight can take him there. Your thoughts on that one? Uh, look, he's got all the motivation in the world. Um, but again, this is, I, I think, um, a more difficult fight than, than people may assume. You know, Castaño, he's, he's been on TV in the U.S. a couple times, um, but he's not well-known, and he's probably uh, underappreciated, underrated. This is, mm-hmm. this is not an, an easy fight. Castaño is tough. He's determined. Uh, he's going to be right in Jamel's chest the whole, uh, the whole fight. So, you know, if Jamel comes out of this, or either one of, one of them is going to come out with, you know, except in the case of a draw, one of them is going to come out in a, as an undisputed titleist. And whoever does win, you, you know they're going to have earned it because that's just, you know, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very good style matchup. 
I think this is an incredibly difficult fight for Charlo. I agree. Uh, Castaño, he's, he's short and he has these short arms and it actually helps him because his style is he swarms, he applies pressure and he kind of gets inside on you where you can't hit him, but he can hit you. We saw that against Patrick Teixeira in February. You know, Castaño, Teixeira is a solid guy. Obviously he's not in Charlo's league, but Castaño just tore through him. And then we also saw the same thing with, uh, you know, Castaño had a great fight on Showtime against Arizona Lara. That was a fantastic fight. Ended up a draw. One of the best fights of the year. And Castaño against Michel Soro in France. Another great performance. This guy is can't miss action. All he does is get his head in your chest and apply pressure. And we've seen that, right? Charlo does not like pressure. He doesn't want a guy right in his face. But he is a great counterpuncher. So, again, the same thing we've said with the other fights. This is a can't miss action fight. August, um, August 28th, Mike uh, and Steven. I mean, you've got... David Benavides going against Jose Uzcategui. And I mean, the thing is, is that I just got done talking to a bunch of trainers uh, about Canelo Alvarez. And and many of them said that the toughest opponent that's out there for Canelo is going to be David Benavides. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, after missing the weight for, uh, you know, a, a fight ago, um, has come back, looked so strong last time. How high are you on him? And Showtime will, will stay in the David Benavides business throughout? Yeah, you know that's that's certainly the goal. You know, David um, David's an incredible talent. I mean, and, and you could see him. He really is maturing in in front of our eyes. Uh, if you go back and look at his fights, you know, two three years ago, you know, look at Gabriel. Um, he 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 looks like a kid, like a you know, like an older teenager. You can see him filling out. Um, I, I agree with the Canelo fight. It's a tough challenge for Canelo. David is, you know, so busy. With with power and length, um, he's got some of the tools I think to make that uh, a tough fight. So you know we're we're in this situation. You know, the three of us have talked about this before. Um, you know, boxing gets in these situations sometimes. You know, when there's a Canelo, um, there's a you know a De La Hoya, there's others that you know sort of there's a division sort of on hold. You know, trying to position themselves to be that next opponent. Yeah, that's plant, one. Oh, yeah, sorry. plant Benavides, Charlo, like mm-hmm. they, you know, they'd all you know, jump at the chance as would anybody. Yeah, Stephen, that's one thing boxing really needs to figure out. No matter what the network or promoter is, Canelo said it best on Saturday after the fight. He goes, "All these guys keep talking about trying to fight me. Why don't they fight each other and earn a shot at me?" And that's my problem. And look, I, I, again, the schedule. We have a lot of great action fights: Jamal Charlo and Juan Montiel. And then you have Benavidez, Uskadegi. Those, to me, are the two weakest matchups, although it's probably the, you know, some of the biggest, best star power. I wish we had Benavidez fighting Charlo. That's a great fight. And then the winner, it's no doubt that he, he deserves Canelo, right? Yeah, um, that, that's certainly one way to go with it. Um, and depending on how, how things line up with Canelo and, and whether you know plants available for him or, and vice versa. But look, Charlo has been you know, very outspoken. Um, you know, in, in terms of this fight here, you know, Jamal, um, you didn't want to wait all the way for Benavides. Now, I know there's been a lot of talk back and forth with the two of them. They were on a little bit different calendars, but, you know, that's easy enough to solve now that they're both going to be active. Plus, we don't know if David Benavides is vaccinated or not. So there's that. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, right, of course. We'll be right back after this. Uh, and the, the other fight we haven't mentioned yet, it's July 3rd, Chris Colbert against Yuri Orcas Gamboa. 
Gamboa obviously at the point where he's pretty much done, but he is still a name and probably a gatekeeper at this point. It's still the toughest test of Colbert's career. I don't expect Colbert to have many issues there, but I think he has a super talent, fast hands, power. He looks great against Jaime Arboleda. And, you know, it's nice that he's from Brooklyn because we haven't had a lot of fighters from Brooklyn over the last couple of years. And I think it helps the sport a lot. And, and, and you, you just need to spend 60 seconds with Chris Colbert and you know, mm-hmm. he's from Brooklyn. He's got that, the attitude, he's got the, the swagger. Um, and he really stepped up in that Arboleda fight. I mean, he, he, he truly did. That was really impressive. And he demonstrated, at least to me, that he was further along uh, and more advanced than, than I thought he was. And so he's going to move really quickly from here forward. Yeah. Well, last question from me, Stephen. Uh, look, I know you can't openly discuss what's going on with other networks. You've heard all the nonsense before where, where people were trying to dance on your grave with you know Fox <laughs> coming in with PBC. And you were like, hey, just wait and see. I'll weather the storm. I've done it before. Which you did do it before when Al had the, the you know all the time buys and that stuff with ESPN in NBC and he was kind of spreading it across everything. Now again, we all know that this Fox deal is probably coming to an end with PBC. Again, I know you can't comment, but how much of a reflection of this improved schedule um, is maybe your growing relationship with uh, PBC? Yeah, you know it's um, look there. There's a lot of talent within PBC, um, and you know obviously. We want the bulk of it, all of it. Fox wants the bulk of it, all of it. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot of different factors that go into making these fights. You know, the, the, the reality here is we're, we're fully committed to the sport. We've been committed to the sport for a long time. We're not, we're not going anywhere. I mean, I think this year we'll, we'll probably do more events, um, you know, on Showtime than, than we've done in several years. Um, so I think, look, matchups you know sometimes you get a little lucky and things fall your way and you know sometimes they don't but you know the reality is um you know we're we're trying to consistently put on the best schedule that we can you know and not just at the top of the card but throughout the card and really get boxing back on track i mean there's no if you can look across sports you can look across media um viewership has changed i mean it, it you see you see it on award shows you see it on on all kinds of sporting events. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's a great number. Sometimes it's a terrible number. Um, and I think, you know, for boxing to get back where we were and get that momentum back, we, we need a consistent schedule of high quality fights to remain in the conversation and generate that momentum. That's, that's what we're trying to do. Uh, just Steven, as a, as a network executive, obviously you have some experience on, on how fight, how a fight is best presented to the public. What do you think is the best way for um, the parties to proceed with a Canelo Caleb Plant fight? I've heard like one theory that it would be ideal to put it on Fox in the U.S. and let the Zone stream it globally. Is that what you foresee happen happening? Um, well, look, there's um, th- there's a lot to be worked out there, but I, I think one of the um, one of the, the clearer paths right now is, and again, I don't know all of the zones business model, but you know, it seems that they've um, got less emphasis on the U S now and, and more internationally. So that would, you know, clear the way to, to split it that way and say, you know, the you can, uh, you can take your important international territories. Um, and then, you know, you're not as focused on the U S so that would open the door for someone else here. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm, I'm optimistic 
um, because you know that's the real challenge is when you've got two two competitors, whether it's us and HBO, um, or whether it's you know DAZN in the U.S. with a variety of people. When you're going head to head, you know, in a territory, that that's when it's most difficult to find some compromise because it, it, it is a zero sum game. Yeah. Somebody's going to get it and somebody's not. Right. Um, so, you know, splitting the baby in terms of you know, international and domestic probably makes a lot of sense. Great. And, and last thing, I mean, uh, like Mike made reference to, obviously, I think your position uh, and the relationship with PBC is obviously strengthened when you, when you look at this schedule. And let's be honest, as we look to 2022, and I don't know if you can talk about this, it may be premature at this point, but the network uh, connection to CBS, you have the ability to, to keep PBC on network television. Is there anything that you can talk about that that is in the future of PBC, um, you know, given those ties that you have? Yeah, I, I, CBS is, is very supportive, as is all of Viacom. And, um, you know, I, I've said it, I said it earlier in the year, and, and, and I still believe it's true. I, I think um, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see um, boxing events and Bellator events on CBS in the, in the relatively near future. Um, you know, and with the, the launch of, of Paramount Plus, too, there's yeah. a lot of synergies. Um, you know, that opens up a world of international distribution that is very different than how it's traditionally been done. So I, I think being able to, you know, I, I think that speaks well for, for boxing. It is one of the most global uh, sports, uh, you know, boxing, MMA, soccer, you know, clearly head and shoulders above, above everything else. So I, I, I'm very comfortable and confident and enthusiastic about where the, how the company views combat sports, not just on Showtime, but their place in the overall business. And I think that's a good thing for combat sports fans. Great. Well, it's it's great to have you back all the way back, to be honest. And uh, we're all looking forward to the restart of that with uh, Luis Neri, Neri against Brandon Figueroa, a Saturday night on Showtime. Yeah, we're, we're you know, Mohegan Sun was great. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm sure they got tired of us being there. Um, we did between Showbox and Bellator. We've done, I think, 15 events there since uh, August. Uh, but I can't think of a better place to sort of come out of the bubble to uh, Dignity Sports Health Park with you know, the great fans they have there with the reputation for great fights is the perfect place to sort of reemerge. Great. Thank you, Stephen. We'll see you guys there. All right. You got it. Thank you again to Stephen Espinosa for the time. You can catch his fight on Showtime Saturday, Luis Neri against Brandon Figueroa. That's going to be 10 p.m. Eastern on Showtime. And you can also follow Stephen Espinosa on Twitter at Stephen Espinosa, although he is instaless. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. We will catch you next week on the Pugging Cop Boxing Show, where we'll be previewing the big Josh Taylor Jose Ramirez fight on ESPN. Catch you next time. Yeah.